Hey guys, Ivor Margerison here. Just a quick reminder that the Do New Project exists outside of the podcast. I also have some videos on YouTube, some Instagram stuff going on, all sorts of stuff. If you're interested, be sure to head over to donew.org. With that, let's get into the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Do New Podcast. <laughs> Do New. All right, guys, today I am here with Derek Spencer, and we are going to be discussing the world of immersive theater. So before we go any further, Derek, why don't you break it down for us for the people who have no idea what we're talking about? What is immersive theater in its simplest form? Cool. So immersive theater, you're going to find different definitions depending on who you talk to. But the way that I like to define it is it's theater. It's live performance, but it's, it's theater in which the audience is implicated within the fiction. So the, what I mean by that is that the audience is in the world of the play. There's a lot of different methods that people use for achieving that effect, for making the audience feel like they're within the same world as the actors, essentially. But that's that's fundamentally to me what the definition is. So often that means that you know there's no seats and that people are up and moving around and sometimes being directly interacted with, and we can get into kind of the details there. But that's fundamentally what it means to me. Okay. And so, and so implicate, so yeah. So I think by saying no chairs, that kind of paints a little bit of the picture. So the Mm -hmm. audience is involved and, and they're like, now, does it necessarily mean that they're manipulate, like they're involved in the play or is it just that their spectatorship is like transient? It depends. It, It definitely depends. So there's one big divide kind of in the, in the scene between two different types of work and the words that most commonly get used there are sandbox versus dark ride. So sandbox would mean something like where you can move around freely. Let's say you're in a big building and there's stuff happening everywhere. And you as the audience member have some kind of agency where you can walk around and gotcha. you know choose what you see versus a dark ride show would be one where there's a given path and you're taking down that path. Like you don't have any control over what you see. Maybe you're, you're still up and moving around, but you're being taken by actors into different locations or into different areas. Those are the two basic, I mean, there's all kinds of different combinations and those, those are the two basic categories there. Okay. And that's, so that, I think that kind of paints a little bit of the picture, but it, it, you know, it gets this idea out there that there's some like a show, there's theater, there's actors putting on a Mm -hmm. show and as the audience, you're moving around it, whether or not you're directly involved. And I think that's kind of my confusion when I first heard about it. And I'm sure you see it all the time with kind of what you've got going on. People come in with a lot of different expectations, but I, I had done a couple of escape rooms, so I thought I was yeah. pretty savvy on what was going to go on. So <laughs> I was trying to like find my way out and solve the puzzle. And I was really right, supposed right, to right. kind of be wandering around, kind of watching the show. And, um, and I still think, and even now, you know, there's so little to compare immersive theater to like for me, when I find myself trying to explain the experience I had when I went to your show, I don't know how to explain it to people. And so maybe we could just kind of say that, like with your show, tell us a little bit about if someone went to one of your, the projects you put on, what would they like, just kind of walk us through what they would be doing and what it would look like for them. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to roll it back one second, just because I think what you said was interesting, how there's nothing to compare it to. Cause I think when I kind of discovered immersive theater, I felt the same way. But what's, what's interesting is there are a lot of art forms that, do feel like they have at least some elements in common. And one that I never thought of until I got more involved in this world is like theme parks, you know, or entertainment parks in general. Like you think about Disney world where you have characters walking around and all the elements of the set design are, you know, all kind of putting you in the world, right? Like you're, if you're in the the magic castle or whatever, there's all these elements around you that kind of make, try to make you feel like you're in the magic castle. 
And I feel like immersive theater is just a very concentrated version of that, where the characters, there's far more characters, or they're, they're much closer to you, or they're interacting with you more frequently, and all the set elements are a little closer and tighter, you know? That's so you can think about it like that. That's a really good comparison. Yeah, because Mickey Mouse is like an actor at Disney. Well, yeah, like, well, the Harry Potter right, world. Right, right, when it comes down to it, you know? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, okay, that, okay, I like that. Yeah, so that kind of, um, it does, but still, it's so odd, I guess, shrinking it down to like, when with yours, we had, you know, just that that building we were in. It's right. So much, and all the actors. Um, <laughs> it's like, I <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll break that down. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, um, do that for us. So yeah, I'll start with because I, I do work on both sides of that kind of fence that I talked about: dark ride versus sandbox. I do stuff on both sides with my company, Ceaseless Fun, and the show that you went to called "They Who Saw the Deep" was a sandbox show, and it was the biggest, biggest sandbox show that we'd ever done as a company. So basically, if you're an audience member, the way that that show starts is you meet someone outside on a corner. You know, uh, you'll remember this. Yeah. Um, we ask you to meet on a specific corner because we don't want to give away the address because of the way that the space was permitted uh, <laughs> for the show. So you meet someone on the street after a short onboarding process where we talk to you about the rules. Like we tell you basically not to speak during the show because you'll be surprised when people, when you're confronted with a, a, an actor talking directly to you, a lot of people you know, instinctively respond, even well, though it was, what it, we really it, want you to do is still listen. They know? were really talking to us. Like you said, you're, right. you're like, yeah, don't talk to them. I'm like, oh, why would I talk to the actors, weirdo? I've been to a movie before. <laughs> I know how this works. I get in there and right away, this guy's like, hey, you want to be famous? Like he's just like, oh, <laughs> exactly. Just, See, really, so we had to warn you a little bit. I, I really wanted to talk to him. Okay, go on, go on. <laughs> okay. But there are, there are some shows, and we have to say that because there are some shows where the whole point is you're talking to the actors, where it's a lot more oh, improv and you're playing a more directive role. I'd say that's even probably in LA right now, that's probably more common. Oh, really? I think we're, we're a little bit uncommon for being the company that wants you to shut up the whole show. People don't always like that. So that's, but anyways, that's different versions of still sandbox style or, or either one of those, but there's yeah, you, okay. in both sides, you can have talking, not talking. I gotcha. mean, the level of agency, people like to talk about how much agency you have at a certain show, but it doesn't really feel like one kind of linear spectrum. There's all different ways to talk about agency and what the audience can and can't do. Gotcha. But so, yeah, yeah. So you walk into the show, we give you some rules, we send you down a hallway and then, you know, actors start directly talking to you and leading you into the space. Once you're fully in the space, you kind of have like an onboarding scene always what we were doing where like one actor would bring you through the space yeah. to get, just to get you in. And then you're kind of on your own to explore. I mean, we had, um, there's a couple key moments where all the actors come together. So there's really only one thing to be watching at a couple of given moments. But for the most part, there's multiple scenes happening in many different rooms. And this was, um, the show was staged in a two story, 17,000 square foot, 33 room building. Yeah. It was was a big big space space where I'd say most audience members probably don't make it to every room. Uh, Most audience members, I'd say you maybe see like 20% of the show just by going once. So there's all this stuff happening all around you and it's kind of up to you to decide, okay, I want to, I want to follow that actor or this scene looks interesting. So I'm going to, go over here and see what this scene's about. Or I just heard a noise. So I'm going to follow this actor up the stairs and see if he's going to go check out that noise. You know, it's really totally up to you to explore. And it really, um, and it, and and it then, really, yeah, for me, I mean, I was at the end, like I missed tons of like, you know, when we went to for a little background, it was, this was, when was this last May? Was that when that was? Yeah, it was, it was, it was in May. Yeah. yeah a couple of us, a group of us went to, went to Derek's play and uh, is it still called a play? show yeah you call it a play okay. you know whatever <laughs> okay. you want to call it uh, you know, a I'm group of us went and at the end we like went out for drinks and for like hours we w- if you would have listened to us it was like all seven of us were at a different show 
we didn't see the same things. We didn't get the same message. We didn't get the same. It's, I mean, there was just so much, more, there was rooms I didn't see. There was, um, and it right, really, right, so, right. I mean, it's and it, anyway, but continue a little bit. So that with that experience, well, that's, that's just, that's why I love sandbox so much. Cause I think sandbox allows, you're not telling one story necessarily, you're, you're building a world and you're giving the audience kind of license to play around in the world you built, which to me is super exciting because I've always been really interested as a, as an artist and as a director in like more abstract forms of expression and kind of more um, nonlinear modes of performance. So what this allows me to do is kind of, I mean, there's, there's like loose narrative strings in a lot of my shows, but it really just lets me create this big wide open world where it's your playground to play around in and you can walk away with something totally different than the person you came with. And I think that's really exciting to me. It's just so unique. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to describe to people the feeling because I feel like it's that exhilaration and it's that FOMO and you feel like, I don't know, man. I like the first time I saw one of these shows, it's like you just don't even categorize it with theater because no, you're you're so on your feet and you're so active. You yeah, know, it's, it's, it's totally it's totally different. And I but I, it is a lot. I mean, people that like escape rooms though, I think uh, there's a lot of people who would be kind of uncomfortable with those, especially with strangers, mm-hmm. like the yeah. you know, but this one, the fact that you can like like at yours, if you were really uncomfortable and you just sat in that main room, you would have it would have mm-hmm. been fine, you know? Yeah, you still would have seen a lot of work, yeah. you know, you're a lot of scenes and everything. Yeah. But yeah, I think with the one-on-one stuff is where it gets really emotionally intense. You know, you have, um, like, we had a lot of people crying and just, like, having, like, writing us letters where they were talking about the kind of the emotional catharsis that they got out of the show. Oh, my God. Uh, during the show we did before, it was called Agnosia, and it was about, like, two different people were in the room with you, but they couldn't see each other, and they both believed the other person was dead. Oh, So they were both God. talking to you as if you were both alone, asking you for help to grieve the other person. And then you would keep making choices about who you're going to help, which impacts the storyline. So there's literally branching scenes. So you, you as an audience member, though, can literally affect the narrative and affect the outcome of the show to where the point where the ending of the show is different based off what you do. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy. That, that's like that when, when True Crime Streets of LA, the first Xbox game where there was multiple endings. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. This is it. <laughs> it's evolved. No, that's awesome. I want to get into kind of who that appeals to but before mm-hmm. we end, i just want to really paint this picture so i think you've kind of explained what this show looks like but just to be clear here in this building mm-hmm. these characters are moving around and you're like i mean you'll follow one and then all of a sudden a girl will run past you crying and you'll just turn around and follow <laughs> her into and then she'll be in a closet doing something i just really try to paint this picture of like what this looks like because again it's just so unique but um so i want to talk right about it can said, be very it can be very chaotic in there right you feel like uh um, yeah People get FOMO all the time. That's, uh, big, that's what I was just going to say. Trait. The whole like, time. The whole time. Like, yeah. that girl's doing that guy. Okay. But so with right. what this is creating, how unique it is, and and the agency that it gives the audience. Now, do mm-hmm. you see this kind of appealing to the younger generation? The generation that wants to be a little more engaged with stuff, doesn't want to be as impassive with their as passive with their consumption of media. Do you see younger people kind of like enjoying this more? That's interesting. So, so by younger people, do you mean like millennials yeah, or millennial. you mean I mean, like generation I mean, below us? I guess, I guess millennials kind of more, you know, people who, who yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, it appeals to anybody who I think feels, here's what I'll say. I feel like, um, live experiences are really popular right now. Just like getting you out of your house. Cause it's right. very, very easy to experience a lot of traditional types of experiences through your phone. Like you don't need to go to the grand Canyon cause you can Google a picture of the grand Canyon and you can see yeah. everyone else's photo of the grand Canyon. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think creating something that cannot be experienced digitally and can only be experienced in real life is I think a big draw right now. And theater has always been that right theater theater for a long time has been a medium that you only experience in real life. 
but I think the immersive element makes it a little more exciting. It makes it a little more, um, it's like titillating is a good word for it because you don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, you feel a little more uh, pressure on yourself to make the experience exactly. what you want it to be, you know? So I think it's exciting for, for anyone who wants to, I don't know, expand outside of the, their digital life. So I think that definitely appeals to a lot of millennials that I know, but I'm also not a, a sociologist. So I see a lot of people of different ages at the show. I mean, honestly, we have a lot of people who are, who are in the 40 plus range too. It's not, it's not all, you know, yeah, young people there. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like with, with so many different spaces right now, it's like the stimulation has been raised with what you just said about the Grand Canyon. And it's with a lot mm-hmm. of things too. Like I have, I have a friend who works for a company and they go around the country and they buy up old shopping malls because obviously people don't right. shop in malls anymore. They go to Amazon, but right. they buy up these and I'm like, well, what are you going to do in them? They, and it's like experience-based activities. So there's a big rise of trampoline parks. Like that's what goes into malls now. Like the mm-hmm. future of malls will be escape rooms and you know trampolines. Right. Those that are the things you, you can't do on your couch. And um, if and any so, of your if any of your mall friends are listening right now, um, hire me to program performances at your mall. That's my dream job. Ooh. I'll come to your mall. I'll put on giant performances. Hit me up. So Anyways, are you, now, are you talking like a sh- like a functioning mall, and you're doing a performance that like runs around the mall, or like? Wh- I mean, I would. You know me. I would love the abandoned mall uh, <laughs> side of things. Okay. But oh, I got you. I we got did you. a show. We did a show this year. Um, it was directly after the one that you saw, and it was a one audience dark ride style show. Uh, that we did fully in public, but it was only one audience member at a time. So we would take you down what? Hollywood Boulevard and basically you got passed off between five different actors who would all take you down a segment of their part of Hollywood Boulevard and basically pitch you what they thought, like their kind of take on the idea of legacy and fame was. And then the next actor you would with would kind of like meta comment on whatever the actor before you told you, you know, the character before yeah. told you. So there's a kind of this ongoing conversation but the way it seems to almost anyone who sees you in the street is it just looks like you're walking and talking with a friend. But meanwhile, you're kind of like, we're not just using the performers, but we're using the kind of environment around <laughs> the whole like essence of Hollywood Boulevard on a Friday night, you know, in the summer to really kind of paint the picture of what we're talking about. So a lot of interactive scenery and stuff. So, so I would totally do a show in a mall that was actually operational too. We got yeah, these yeah, but, but, but in this case, an empty mall, man, that, that be, it becomes a playground for a project like this. And really some of these bigger <laughs> ones, you know, maybe the one that people have heard before, you know, sleep no more. Is that kind of, was that kind of the first big one? Is it still the big one out in New York or? Yeah. So that was the first big one in the States. Um, I feel like, I feel like the term immersive theater got started in London and then Punch Drunk, who does Sleep No More, they came over to the U.S. and started putting up shows. Sleep No More is one of them. And then New York kind of caught the bug. And now L.A. kind of has this punky DIY feeling, immersive scene coming up. A lot of a lot of ties in, tie-ins over here with like horror. A lot of like immersive and extreme horror shows happen over here. So I'd say those are the big three centers for it. But yeah, Sleep No More is the one that most people would know. Yeah, and that one, and just to give people like what you talked about with with the mall there. I mean, these sleep no more is uh, what is it? An old hotel that they're in or apartment building? No, so uh, it's I think it's just a like a warehouse in the meatpacking district. I want to say, but they 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 design it like it's a hotel. Okay, so okay, it's, but I, it's, I mean, I it's, but it's a it's big, it's a big multiple level. I mean, that's a big operation they got going on. Five, yeah, they have five stories. I mean, they get like five hundred odd. I'm not, I don't know exactly, <laughs> but it's around five hundred audience members in per show. So it's a giant show you know dozens of actors in there yeah it's uh and people i mean and people like i mean i think it's just this like you said like back to that same idea you know people we can do a lot on our phones and there's some things we can't Mm -hmm. and that's 
these kind of things, you know, people are drawn to them. And so kind of back yeah. to the people you come in, you know, so it sounds like you get people of all ages at your show. I'm curious about how people behave differently. Like are, are millennials more likely to run around? I feel like maybe like older people who are like, do they kind of stay in one room or do you see any like trends with that kind of stuff? Of your it's audience? interesting. Okay. So, so I don't know if I see a generational trend, but like a major part of directing these types of performances comes down to trying to anticipate different types of audience behavior to the point where I will go through, like when we get toward the end of the rehearsal process, we'll go through where I'm trying to purposefully be a bad audience member to see how the uh, <laughs> actors respond to it and try to help them get used. Cause you do, you, I mean, you, and I, I don't mean to say bad, like there's a wrong way to be there, but I just mean, sometimes people have a different idea of what a respectful audience member should be doing. So we have to anticipate all kinds of different right. possibilities. Like maybe you have an audience member who, no matter how good your monologue is, they want to look at the set and they want to walk around and open up drawers and see if there's any like hidden clues in these yeah. drawers, you know, the whole kind of escape room vibe. Yep. Or maybe you have audience members who, you know, are getting a little too close and personal and you need to know how to deal with that without shutting the show down. You know, so there's a lot of different, um, I'd say one of the biggest predictors of how people behave is whether they've been to the stuff like this before. Cause I think the more comfortable people get with the shows, the that less they listen to the rules of a specific show. And they say, well, I've been to these before. I know what to do. And those are like nine times out of 10. Those are the people who talk during the show because they were like, at a well, show or, yeah. previous show. So, so we have to be prepared for people who have a very different background or who have been to dozens and dozens of different types of shows. We have to be prepared, like correct their behavior a little bit to make sure that they get to enjoy the show that we intend to be enjoyed. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I guess that's, I mean, it's such a novel field, but within LA, I mean, you, I, so there's people, so let's say this weekend, Friday night, how many different immersive theater events do you think are, what could someone go to? I mean, how many different ones are Ooh. going on? It's okay. It's, it's Just interesting. Ballpark, so yeah. right now, right now we're like post Halloween. So a lot of companies are dark right now. Oh, okay. I'd say there's probably like 15 shows probably happening right now that would call themselves immersive, but there's different levels of it. You know, there's some shows right. that are, that are operating kind of under this immersive banner that are still putting you in like a traditional seated theater, but are using this kind of some interactive elements to, to engage the audience member. So yeah. it's really hard to say, depends on the definition. I'd say at least a dozen at okay. any given time uh, during the busier parts of the year, definitely more up to 20, wow. 25. Yeah. So uh, no proscenium.com is a great resource. They have like a currently playing section for LA. So you can just see whatever is playing in LA at, okay. the, at, a, at any given time is listed on that website. And what's no the website? No proscenium.com. Okay. Uh, it's like a enthusiast blog okay. um, run by this guy named Noah. And he, uh, he keeps vigilant track of everything happening in LA. Wow. So, yeah. It's great that, resource. And with that many shows and with so many different kind of standards and rules, I'm sure you get people who fancy themselves kind of experts and then they come in and they, they start talking because the last three they went to, they were encouraged to, or I could see how that's kind of tricky to anticipate how the behavior is going to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it happens. It's all different types of people. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to disparage any certain type of viewer. I just mean that like sometimes expectations can be set differently when you've been to a lot of these shows. So that's something we're always trying to anticipate for and make sure that we have the tools in our kind of casts arsenal to make sure that they can effectively deal with, uh, audience members of all different types. Well, it is. I mean, because interesting, I mean, with, with your show, so your, the show that I went to of yours, do you wrote that or what, what you, what's your direct involvement with that? Right. So, so everything that I do personally is devised, which, which immersive theater doesn't have to be devised, but that's the way that I do it, which means there is no script. Me and the actors are in the room together or the actors and I are in the room together and we generate the material for the show together. So what that looks like, what that looks like for the use of the deep is I probably wrote about a third of it based off stuff that we worked on in the room. 
I'd say another third of it was text that we collaged from a variety of other sources and credited. And another third was probably written by the performers themselves. Gotcha. Okay. okay. I do the, all the editing and compiling of that them. So, you know, let's say we generated something like 150 or 200 scenes in the rehearsal process, which is about what the number actually was. I sit down then and I kind of map out the trajectory of different characters based off what we've created. And I kind of create these giant Google Sheet Excel documents that track all the characters' trajectories. And then we start cutting scenes and then we run it and we obviously have a lot of edits. So it's kind of like this collaborative process that I'm in charge of editing, but I'm definitely not the only writer. I'm definitely not the only person with a vision on the project. If that yeah, makes sense. Andrews, I guess, yeah, for this, you're more of just kind of like you, you're more of like a coordinator Unless, I mean, because it sounds like, I think when I was there, I was asking you about one of the dialogues and you were like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I didn't write that. And I, I was kind of confused. Right, but right. It, and I liked it and I had ideas about it, but but at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, that that I can't talk to you like I wrote that text. Right, you know, I can right. talk to you about the text, but yeah, I, I think think about it almost like a showrunner of a, of a TV show. One, that, one that's very hands-on, you know, I'm still obviously directing everything, but I'm doing things besides directing actors what to do. You know, it's it, the responsibility is what I'm doing definitely expand outside of what you would think of as a normal rehearsal room director for a stage play. Yeah. I mean, I just like, just as kind of someone who's kind of a planner themselves, I was just kind of having a, Mm -hmm. I mean, at first, at first you're like, Oh, this, this, there's just, he has a dozen different actors running around doing stuff for two hours. But then, (laughs) but then you see two people from different sides of the building meet up in the middle to do something. And you're like, Whoa, this, there's like some there's some, some very specific choreography going on here, and I guess that's yeah. where like that overseeing really comes in because these people aren't operating on islands; they all right. are mixing together, and and that's when you start really appreciating some of the some of those late nights that had to have gone into it. <laughs> right, absolutely. I mean, it requires a, just a level of like attention to detail that you just don't have to work on when you're dealing with one state when you're dealing with 33 rooms where things could be happening in any of those rooms at any given time. You know, you have to really get all the timing exactly right. It, it's a very slow process to get that all coordinated, but one that's for me really fulfilling when it comes together. Yeah, I'm sure just seeing uh just yeah, seeing a lot a lot of moving pieces working together. It's yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um so I'm kind of curious, you know, just now we have kind of an idea of it. Where do you I mean, I know it's a rapidly growing kind of mm-hmm. art right now. So where do you kind of see it going um, more specifically with trends, less specifically, you know, maybe less of your interest, but where do you kind of see the future of this going like more, I guess, on the mainstream side of it? Yeah. So, so I think there's already a lot of points where immersive overlaps with the mainstream. So we talked about sleep tomorrow already, and that's a great model for a theater company like mine to look at and say, well, you really can make something that is art, like artistically has merit and is exceptionally, you know, uh, on the cutting edge, you can still take a, a piece of work like that and make it accessible to hundreds of thousands of people. It's become one of the biggest tourist, you know, spots yeah. in New York, and it it never lost its edge, you know. So that's that's a really cool model to look at. Respect the hell out of that. Then you have people like if you've heard of Meow Wolf down in um, oh yeah, in Santa yeah, Fe. Yep, yep. So they very much fit into the immersive category, but they're much more focused on. The, the thing that makes them very like immersive is the set design that they have artists design rooms and you're in the rooms. I believe sometimes they involve performance and actors, but it's more the space making that makes it immersive. So you have that model where they're expanding all over the place. Yeah, they're, yeah, I think they're actually, they just, they just, I think I forget what it is. Some multi-million dollar, the new one in Denver. But then if you want to look at, you know, what me started doing originally, 
you have so many pop-ups pop-ups now across major cities in the u.s that are um you call them like instagram museums or like selfie palaces you know where (laughs) they're like these like these big spaces that are just meticulously designed for you to get a really good picture of yourself there so it's like you're exploring the space but kind of the fun of playing around there is curating your own instagram feeder your own digital life through the lens of the space that you're in which there are really cool examples of that and there's really like you know sell outy kind of corporate examples of that where it's like you know marketing basically a big marketing gimmick to get you to post like whatever like a nike logo on your instagram but sneakily i haven't heard much about this is just like that's been very mainstream like you being in la just like yeah this thing that's going on it's like the rest like i'm just like i've I've never (laughs) heard of that before but but i mean i believe it i feel like they're blowing up right now they're in chicago right now they're definitely in new york there's a bunch of them in new york and la Interesting. Um, okay but i feel like if you haven't seen them yet you're gonna start seeing a lot of them because i feel like they're selfie palace okay one tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) and so and with uh as far as like the these kind of shows you're doing um well with with the escape rooms i mean those are getting big and just real quick for people yeah, who haven't, escape I mean, rooms are huge i mean with the people who haven't done an escape room you and a group of people get locked in a room the door's locked and there's basically a puzzle like whatever the case the set is in there you're going through drawers you're looking for numbers there's keys you're crawling around they're all it can go in a million directions from there but um you're very involved with the set and you're trying to find your way out and i guess my thing is because I mis- mistook um, immersive theater for an escape room, is there a is there a blurring of that? I mean, could we get some actors involved? Oh, absolutely. So, so the nonprofit that I I'm help, I'm in the founding committee of this nonprofit called the League of Immersive and Experiential Artists, which is just kind of an advocacy group that's basically trying to promote and professionalize this art form. We have a lot of a, a, lot, a lot of escape room creators who are directly involved in that. There's so much overlap between. The, the roles that I would play versus the role uh, against like the role that a escape room designer plays. And there are people who are bringing live actors into escape rooms who, who are incorporating more theatrical elements or even um, uh, there's a term ARX or augmented reality experience. And that's basically uh, how do I describe this? It's like if it was theater, but it didn't happen face to face. It's almost like uh, there's an actor texting you. And they're playing a character while they text you or they call you on the phone or they show up at your house. And like, it's, it's like theater that kind of invades your everyday life. You oh. know, a lot of uh, immersive theater companies will use this as like a buildup show. Like it might be a week before the show and an actor is texting you and then you meet that actor in person when you get to the show. There's stuff like that. Uh, and I'd say escape rooms are successfully integrating those as well. I've seen escape rooms that are trying to, you know, like a character who's eventually going to be someone, you know, through the escape room texts you ahead of time. You know, there's different levels. There's of, different like ways yep. to get involved and like how deep you can go. It's variable, but it's interesting. Like we're playing around right now, you know, yeah, and there's it's, a lot of experimentation happening. I guess what's, what's so cool about it is it's such an exciting time. Yeah. You made me, uh, I had a friend who went to an escape room in LA and they, it was a really, and I guess they did, they had an actor, they, in a closet, they found this crying girl and she mm. was part of the entire experience. She was like, and um but at one point they opened a drawer and they had their a bunch of their facebook photos with the eyes of their faces were gouged out so the company had obviously (laughs) you know done some research with their names before they got there i guess that's what it's just so i mean you just you look at there's just so much potential in every direction and for me what i see is like this sort of like larping like i would kind of like the idea of like larping so instead of just the like the audience 
you are this knight or you are this character. You mm-hmm. have these are your goals and you have to engage with the environment. And there's also actors so sort of an escape room with immersive theater and LARPing. I mean, these things could all just blend in and out of each other to the point but where, you know, it's happening right now that I, I would say that that is happening. I'd say that there are LARPs out there that are taking their cues from immersive theater and getting a little more abstract, getting a little more artsy. Interesting. And then there's, there's immersive theater that's definitely casting the audience in a way that feels LARPy where they encourage you to dress for a oh, certain like kind of that. role. And they like, there was a show in LA that just closed down theater macabre where, I mean, I, I felt very specifically implicated in the action. I wasn't just watching. I had to, I had to lie to characters, right? I had to get information <laughs> on the characters. Like I'm, I'm in there like up to my neck in information, trying to parse my way through this world. There people are making that work happen right now. That's so awesome. it's, and then escape rooms. I, like I wanted to call out specifically um, a friend of mine runs an escape room called stash house. And they, when they're right before their escape room opened, they did like a, a chapter one, kind of like a demo escape room beforehand that incorporated live actors. And the whole premise there is uh, you're trying to get initiated into this, this like drug cartel kind of situation. So they lock you in a house with a bunch of drugs and you have to flush them all before the police get there in 60 minutes. Oh my gosh. You know, but then like the, the actual, the actual cartel guy, like the head, the big boss is like a character you've interacted with before you got into that house, you know? (laughs) So there's actually live actors giving you those instructions. And then that makes the stakes very real, right? Like when you have a, character yeah. literally not break you know sure it changes the stakes so yeah all, all that kind of experimentation that you're talking about i feel like people are playing with that and trying to see how far it will go in different directions it's a very fun time to making this work well and i and, and again it goes back to the point i mean it's kind of like with what technology with how much the more the more fun our phones get the more creative mm-hmm. um people like you have to get and and, I, and it's it's really yeah. fun to see what you know what, what you guys are coming up with so I think, you know, I mean, I, I assume we have, you know, properly set the hook, um, got people kind of interested in this. Let's talk a little bit about what someone would do to try to find an experience like this on their own outside of L.A. And then let's talk a little bit about specifically what you have going on in L.A. Cool. Outside cool. of L.A., what, what kind of Google search am I going for? What would something like this? Yeah. Like? OK, so I already plugged No Proscenium uh, for L.A., but they they are a national oh, endeavor. Nice. So they started here in L.A., but they now have newsletters that cover the whole U.S. If you, no matter where you live, you can kind of go to their now playing section, find your area, and they'll list all the shows that are happening in your area. So they're they're maybe the number one resource I would give for someone who's just looking to go to a show. The reviews generally give a pretty good idea of what to expect, since you know immersive work can be all over the map. I think they're pretty clear about um, what shows will be like. You know, if they've been able to send reviewers, so they're a good resource. Haunting.net is another one, but they're a little less nationally reaching and they're a little more focused on the like horror side of things. They cover, they cover all kinds of work, but I'd say their, their scope is a little more focused. So no proscenium would be the resource that I tap into first. I would also plug, um, if you're interested in making the work or if you're just interested in hearing more from a creator's perspective, the nonprofit that I'm getting involved in, uh, or that I've helping found here, um, Leia, you would find out about us by going to Leia.design. Um, and that's again the League of Immersive and Experiential Artists. We're working in a couple different fields, working on advocacy issues. Like I mentioned before, permitting can be kind of hard when you're using non-traditional spaces <laughs> to stage your work. So we're working to try to lobby city city governments basically to uh, make the permitting process easier for people making this type of work. And we're also working on a lot of education efforts, trying to have classes for people to come and learn a little bit more about what goes into making these types of um, productions and just like actor training, all that kind of good stuff. 
uh, as well as like industry standards stuff. That's what I'm really focused on with the group is looking at um, guidelines. So if you are a first time creator, amateur creator, you have some guidelines to work with. So you don't accidentally wind up creating a huge safety hazard for your audience because there can be a lot of safety issues that go into making this work that you wouldn't expect with a normal theater. So we're doing a lot of work over there. Come check us out. Um, yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Those then, are two big resources right there. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I'll make sure I'll have those in the description so people they're, they're handy for everyone. And, um, and if perfect. someone is fortunate enough to be in LA, uh, your group, I mean, do you guys have another show kind of in the works? What's your schedule looking like? Specifically? We don't. So we did a, we did a full season this year and then a couple one-off performances. So I'm taking a breather. As I mentioned before, a lot of what I do is collage from different source texts. So I need time to like, recharge my uh my banks read a lot see a lot of work so i'm i'm in a really relaxed setting right now i don't anticipate we'll be announcing anything until like like spring of next year um but uh we we will perhaps be taking one of our old shows on tour i don't want to say anything prematurely um but there's a chance that one of our shows will be reappearing in la and then again uh, possibly in chicago new york so you can look out for that Uh, my company is called ceaseless fun and uh, the website is www.ceaselessfun.com. All of our past work is up there. And if we have new stuff coming up, it'll be on that website. Awesome. All right. Yeah, I'll be sure to get that website. Uh, the, all, the other ones you mentioned on there as well as for everyone. Um, a lot of resources out there. Again, I mean, this is just, it really is a unique thing. I, I one of The first time when I was coming out to your show, when it was explained to me, I was like, I pictured me being in the audience and you guys being mm-hmm. on the stage and you coming down and like, maybe like saying something to me and then going back to the right. stage. And, uh, it was so much delightfully more than that. And um, yeah, it's, it's exhilarating. And I, I feel like people really latch on to the first one they see, you know, cause you, you um, there's so many different ways to make the work that, you know, some people will see something like what you saw. Other people will see like an intimate one-on-one experience and be like, Oh my God, I never knew the theater could be so personal and so intimate. And so and just up close. And then you start from there and there's like, you start mapping out this whole world of performance. Yeah. It goes deep. There's yeah. a lot out there. So. Yeah, and I think, and especially with how fast it's growing, I think it's it's really something that um, it's exciting to be a part of right now. And uh, it's cool what you guys are doing. Um, I'm, you got me excited. I'm already scheming up my next one that I got to go to. <laughs> yeah, come back out here. I'll show you around. <laughs> there we go. Shows. All right, well, we'll wrap things up. Uh, again, Derek, thanks All so right. much for coming on the show. Yep. Ivor, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Okay. Again, guys, that was Derek Spencer. If you're looking for more information about what he has going on or immersive theater resources, the stuff he has um, outlined for us and mentioned, I'm going to have in the description for your guys' convenience. And as always, if you know someone who uh, would be a good fit to come on the show or you have an activity that you'd like me to try in one of my videos, you can find me, all my contact information at donew.org. Hey.